If someone called you a jack of all trades, master of none, would you be flattered or insulted? Being a lover of versatility, I've always viewed it as a compliment. How would you view a working dog that is a jack of all trades? A blessing? A curse? Or, as I see it, the holy grail of farm dogs? Welcome to Farm Dog. This is Farm Dog, the podcast about the working dogs of farming, ranching, homesteading, and rural living. Farm Dog is presented by Goats on the Go, a national network of independent business owners who provide sustainable weed and brush control for their customers using goats. Want to put goats to work on your vegetation problem? Interested in launching your own goat grazing business? The place to start is GoatsOnTheGo.com. Hi, Aaron. My name's Jim. I live in the northeast corner of Missouri. I have trained and worked with lots of mules and horses over the years, and I've always had like Australian Shepherds, Blue Heeler Crosses type of stock dog, which I've really enjoyed, period, but have really enjoyed it. Come to the conclusion that maybe I don't need quite that serious of a dog. I just need a helper and a companion and an all-around farm dog. We'd like to see you do a podcast on not just a stock dog, but an all-around family farm dog that could do anything. Welcome to Farm Dog. I'm your host, Aaron Steele. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to Jim for leaving that comment on our website with the voice recorder that you can find at farmdogpodcast.com. We have been asking you for a while to go there and leave us some generalized thoughts about the podcast or comments on specific episodes or topics about or suggestions for topics for future episodes. But we've also had posted there a specific question, which is essentially Jim's question. If I live on a farm that needs a generalist as a working dog more than it needs a high-powered, high-performance, very focused specialist, where do I go for that dog? There does seem to be that missing link um, in the breeds that are available. We have dogs that have been bred for specific purposes for a long time, but there doesn't seem to be a breed that is marketed, so to speak, uh, toward a farm that doesn't that needs a dog to do lots of things even in the hunting dog world we have many versatile dogs they're called they point retrieve uh, trail all those sorts of things but seems like in the working farm dog world we are missing that and it may be because it's impossible to do nonetheless that has not stopped me from daydreaming about what kind of dog would I design if I could sit down and pencil it out or if I could take a little bit of this breed and a little bit of that breed and mix them together in different proportions to get the ideal multi-purpose generalized working dog for the farm uh, what might that look like so I'm going to encourage you when this episode is done to go to farmdogpodcast.com and give us all of your opinions using our voice recorder and you're going to hear from a few folks who have left us messages over the last several months. Um, but we're going to try to just kind of decipher what that multi-purpose, all-purpose general farm dog might be during this episode. 
So I have this analogy that I've been thinking about lately, and the problem with anything that's versatile, versatile sounds like a great trait, but what happens is you get a you get an animal or a dog um, that is, or anything really, a product that is sort of good at lots of things, but not really good at anything. And so we kind of have to acknowledge that when we go into this discussion about an all-purpose farm dog, that we're probably not going to be really great at anything. Um, not as good as a specialist would be. That's why there are specialists. But maybe we can fit a dog to our needs that is really good at um, maybe a couple of things, not so good at others, but still capable, um, and can just spread itself out over a variety of tasks. And in fact, I, my analogy is involves spreading things out. So I think about it like this. Audience, just go with me on this one. This is a little goofy, but I've got a piece of toast. I'm going to make myself some peanut butter toast, and I'm going to start by putting a big old dollop of peanut butter right in the middle of that toast. And that spot where I put that dollop of peanut butter is going to be the tastiest, thickest part of peanut butter on that toast. But I'm going to try to spread it out to the edges. I'll never get it as thick at the edges as I will right in the middle of that piece of toast, but I'm going to spread it to the edges and see if I can get it covered. And if I have enough peanut butter left, I'm going to try to spread it to the far corners of, of that slice of toast. That's kind of how I've been thinking about this uh, all-purpose farm dog thing. I think a useful approach whenever we're trying to get a dog that is not a specialist or a product that is not a specialist, um, and we hope it's going to be capable of a bunch of things, is to start with what our main focus is. What's the main thing we would like this dog to do for us? Let's get our bases covered with that one first. Let's put a thick dollop of peanut butter right in the middle of our toast for that particular task. And then let's see where we can spread the peanut butter to. So for example, if I want a dog that is a really great livestock guardian dog that can live with the livestock, but is also a fantastic herder, those are just kind of incongruent with each other. So that's probably, that's like putting a little bit of peanut butter at one corner and a little bit of peanut butter at the other corner of the piece of toast. It's not going to work out so well for us. But perhaps I could get a herding dog, a gathering dog, that does a good job of gathering uh, sheep and goats from a small pasture really reliably, and that is the the biggest main need I have on my farm. I'm going to put a big dollop of peanut butter right there in the center of that piece of toast. And then I'm going to say, you know what? I also have some rodents on my farm. Maybe that herding dog with a little bit of exposure could be a pretty good rat control dog. So, you know, that's reasonable. We might be able to spread that peanut butter out from the middle of the piece of toast to that edge of the piece of bread. So here, here's the things that I think about when I think of a working dog on a farm. Um, and let's kind of just form a picture of that farm here. For our purposes, a, a general purpose farm dog, it doesn't have to be a small farm, but it seems to fit a small farm best. Um, even what we might consider a homestead. So let's say we've got up to 40 acres of property. We have a mix of livestock, so we don't have 
a huge herd of anything, but we have smaller numbers of a greater variety. So we've got some chickens, maybe some ducks. We've got a handful of sheep, um, maybe some goats or something like that. Maybe a couple of steers every year or one cow-calf pair, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, we're just keeping it small, but we've got a variety of needs, even though any one of them isn't too gigantic. And then let's also talk about the range of things we might want a dog to do on that small farm. Um, and you might think of other things, but the things that pop to my mind right away are obviously herding and gathering um, and even driving animals perhaps through a handling facility. If I'm going to have any kind of ruminant livestock, that's, you know, that's just a, an ideal reason to have a working farm dog. So that's one of them. Uh, livestock protection in the sense of livestock guardian dogs, that obviously makes sense too. Small ruminants and uh, poultry are particularly susceptible to predators. So when I say livestock protection, I'm talking in the traditional sense of your dog actually lives out there with the animals, um, bonded to the animals and protecting them from every threat. But then we have another kind of protection that I think is useful for a lot of farms, which is just, just general property protection. And that would include protecting the people who live on that property. So perhaps we wouldn't expect a dog to live with and actually bond with the animals, but we would expect that dog to alert to anything strange that's going on on the farmstead or going on on the acreage. Um, so maybe they're not acting specifically out of an instinct to protect the sheep, but they are acting out of an instinct of this is my home, this is where I live, and you don't belong here. That could be a really important uh, function of a working dog on any farm. You know, and, and maybe the only response is to bark or to look like a big dog, and maybe that's adequate to protect the property and the people on it. Another function might be pest control. We've talked about pest control in this podcast before, typically with terriers, but we've learned that other breeds of dogs can be helpful for pest control too. It's my sense and my experience on farms that some dogs just kind of key into that and they could be any kind of mutt that grew up on a farm. Some love doing that and some don't. Um, you know, maybe we could focus in on that as a trait that we really want for our general purpose working farm dog. And, you know, we've also talked about hunting on this podcast before. That is a common um, pastime of folks who live in rural places. And to be able to walk outside your door not too far from home and do some uh, small amount of hunting with a functional, if less than specialist dog, that sure would be nice too. And then finally, of course, there is companionship. And I think that while that's not a specific task, it is something that most folks who live on farms and ranches are looking for from dogs. Um, or at least if they're looking beyond that specialist dog to fulfill a very specific purpose, they are wanting some companionship from that that dog for the family. So those are all possibilities. And and I suspect that most of the dogs we're going to talk to about today would or could make good companions with a few exceptions. So that's all, almost an automatic. 
So anyway, as we move forward here, we're going to hear from a few more listeners and just be thinking about that dollop of peanut butter in the middle of the toast. How far can we spread it from the main purpose? Um, it's a pretty big long shot to go get any breed of dog and just say, I think it'll be equally good at all of these tasks, or let's just cross our fingers that it will turn out that way. I really do think that there's some merit in the idea of picking the main thing we need that dog to do and then trying to spread that peanut butter as far to the edges as possible. Hi, my name is Louie Ray is from down central Florida. Um, I think the perfect breed kind of depends where you're at in the country, I guess. It's, if you got a lot of mountains and or thickets or woods, you maybe want more hunt, I guess you'd say. Or that, like down south in the South Florida boys, they they run them cur dogs. Uh, they got a lot of hunt, and uh, they spend a lot of time away from you. So you know they you you're listening, listen to them talk, and and they're they're kind of telling you where where your cattle are. Um, and they kind of bring them all together somewhere, and then you go find them. Whereas down in the prairies, you know maybe some flat land. You'd maybe be wanting something for, for more fetch or a more, kind of a general fetch dog, which you'd see more like a Border Collie or Kelpie <clears throat> and whatnot. I think Border Collie's a little tougher, a little a little more team player minded than, than the Kelpies from what I've seen. I, I could be wrong, but um, I think the Hanging Tree folks, that's, they're aiming for the all-around um, they kind of got a good idea. There's some really good breeders out there of them. Uh, you just have to keep a lookout on what what their dogs look like. And when you go looking for dogs, go to their outfit and see see what they're doing. And if it's similar to what you're doing, then that'd probably be a good fit. Um, I've seen these hanging trees go down south and run the woods just like a cur would. And they got fetched just like a border collie does. But... Um, there is some inconsistencies and in some some litters, you know, but I think they're getting on top of that. It's a fairly young breed. Um, I stick to border collies personally, but honestly, in the woods and stuff around here, so most of the time they're kind of useless. <clears throat> and there are some border collies for sure that'll do it, um, but it just kind of depends where you're at. If I was a little farther wet northwest to here, border collies would be king uh, down here. Your cur dogs are but if you got a small operation and you're you're not making money on the deal that's not your main source of income and you want a family dog then i mean you can go to the pound and probably find one of them that work i've seen it done i've seen basset hounds getting around cows i've seen jack russell's getting around cows um aussie's a pretty good just everyday toting dog right on the truck push push a few here and there you just kind of got to feel it out and main thing would be to find you a good reliable breeder if that's the route you're wanting to go and really pay attention and follow those parents for a while and see <clears throat> see what they're all about and do your research and keep in contact and there, there's a lot of them out there so but it was nice talking to y'all and hope, hopefully that helps Thanks to Louie for setting us up with um, some comments about 
several different breeds of dogs and several different incidences in which you might need one type of dog over, over another, Louis makes some great points, including that, you know, ultimately, maybe you don't even need a dog that is a farm dog, in quotes, breed. You know, maybe you could just go to the local rescue the, and and find a dog that would just turn out to be the best farm dog companion you've ever had, and it might be able to get around some cattle. He mentions basset hounds and um, Jack Russell Terriers, and there's all sorts of terrier breeds that have the toughness to move and gather uh, livestock. So you might luck into one that gets that task done for you as well as other tasks on the farm. But I think that most of us, when we think about having to move livestock, we're thinking about the herding breeds. And in particular, the ones that come to mind for me at least are the Border Collie and the Kelpie. Um, because, you know, they're they're specialists. They're really good at that. And so the question co- becomes beyond just gathering and moving livestock, what else could you ask um, a Kelpie or a Border Collie or some cross of Kelpies and Border Collies with other bra- breeds to do? Um, what other parts of the slice of toast could we spread that peanut butter to? And I've talked at length before about how I my experience with dogs is mostly, um, at least before starting this podcast and getting into livestock guardian dogs and stock dogs, my experience had mostly been with gun dogs. And when I see a border collie work, or I see Sweets, my Kelpie, out there working sheep and goats, um, and just the way that she moves and turns and turns on the speed and then slows down and almost locks up to a stop, I see a bird dog. There is a lot of crossover there uh, between hunting dogs, small game hunting dogs, and these stock dog, gathering type stock dogs. Um, so much so that I think I could turn sweets into an upland bird dog, for example, pheasants and quail and partridge and that sort of thing so easily. She already seems to want to chase rabbits around my place and get out in the tall grass and put pheasants up in the air. Um, All it would take really is reinforcing that come command, the here command that is not quite so essential out in the pasture gathering livestock but it would be absolutely essential out in the hunting fields. I think that is a no-brainer for um, for those gathering-type dogs if we want to apply them to other uses on and around the farm. We've also talked to a couple of guests who use border collies in combinations with terriers for pest control. So, you know, that's another corner of the piece of toast we might be able to spread out to. We might be able to cover that task on the farm as well. You know, the question becomes, how do you develop a dog? Is that just random chance that a border collie, for example, might want to, might take a real interest to um, searching out and killing rats and groundhogs and other pests around the farm? Or is there a way way that you could kind of bake that in, either through selection um, or early conditioning of puppies um, so that they kind of get a passion for that? I don't really know the answer to that, but I think that when I look at those herding type dogs, especially the gathering type dogs, I think those are kind of easy areas where we could take that as our starting point, a good gathering dog, 
and expand their uses around the farm. But I do wonder if those gathering type dogs um, are too intense, like Jim, the very first recording we heard at the beginning of the podcast pointed out, I think maybe they just have too much drive. They're too intense for me. I just don't need that much dog. Um, And I think in a multi-purpose small farm sort of dog, that might be the case for a lot of people. And so I think you'd want to kind of build in an off switch on those types of dogs if you don't have that kind of intense specialist need. Uh, for gathering all the time. You know, can you take that dog out among livestock and not be constantly stopping it, constantly putting it in a down so that it's you know, it's wa- not wanting to uh, chase and gather livestock all the time? That would be pretty important on a farm that geographically, space-wise, is not that large. If you've got livestock right out the backyard in a barnyard, as opposed to a pasture a few miles away and you got to get the dog in a truck and drive there. Um, If you've got livestock right out the back door, I don't know that you want a dog who is immediately engaged in herding as soon as you step out there. I also wonder about some of the more hunt-oriented herding dog types like the Catahoula and the Cur Dogs. Um, obviously I think that they could be applied to certain types of hunting really easily. And so we kind of get that extra task out of our farm dog if we go with those breeds or some mix of those breeds. Um, and you know, even though their herding style is different than the border collie or the Kelpie in that they are more a circle, the animals, bay, the animals, keep them contained into a small group as opposed to retrieve them to you. Um, Obviously, we do have some ability and some kind of built-in natural interest to control, get around and control stock. So I think that could be a really useful multi-purpose dog around the farm. And if you're talking about a foundation for crossing with other breeds to get the full set of characteristics you want, you know, there's some interest there. Um, for me, in that type of dog, the Catahoula or the Curse, um, we might even throw the Feist dogs in there. The Feists being very small terrier type dogs that hunt small game, um, have a lot of energy and a lot of drive. You know, maybe there's some room for consideration um, with those dogs as well in this multi-purpose farm dog discussion. I do have some concerns, though, that, you know, with the Kerr and the Catahoula um, and that style of herding and that style of, of hunting, and there's a, there's a lot of hunt in the herding style of those dogs, if maybe they're just too independent. You know, they're kind of bred for out working on their own, um, gathering cattle, holding them together in a group. And let me just point out here that this is too my limited understanding of all of these breeds. So it's my perceptions of these breeds. Obviously, very few of us can have deep experience with all of these different breeds. So with that caveat, my sense is that those particular breeds are very independent-minded breeds. And in order to make them better all-purpose small farm dogs, we may need a dog that wants to work with a little more teamwork, teamwork with its handler with its people. So 
that would be a challenge in those types of breeds. I wonder about the same thing with the hanging tree cow dog. I mean, there's some of that uh, Catahoula in the hanging tree. We've also got some of the gathering type dogs in the breed history of the hanging tree. Um, but from everything I've heard on this podcast and in other places, they're pretty intense dogs. Um, and they're kind of independent too. They're not terribly malleable um, and sometimes take a strong hand from the handler. And so I wonder, can they shut it off and just uh, chill out on the farm and accomplish some of those other tasks we're going to ask them to do in an all-purpose farm dog? And then there's been some issues raised too about the consistency of the hanging trees that many people have experiences with really, really good ones but that breed is still relatively new and can you uh, count on being able to get one of those good hanging tree cow dogs and is there enough consistency across that breed yet and so because it is a young breed and it is a composite of other breeds do you want to mess with it more to try to turn it into this ideal multi-purpose farm dog when we're already trying to struggling to eliminate some of the inconsistencies in that new breed. All right, so let's move on to um, some of the livestock guardian dog breeds. And uh, here, here's a real challenge because, I, you know, the livestock guardian dog breeds are perhaps the most specialist of the specialists. Once we get them bonded to animals and living out there um, on pasture with herds of livestock, like that is their thing and that's pretty much only their thing. Um, so when we look at some of those other tasks that we outlined earlier in the podcast about, you know, what about a companion on the farm? Not so much. In fact, we can screw up a livestock guardian dog by trying to make it both a companion and uh, a really good livestock protector. Um, well, what about hunting? Well, no, I don't think so. It pretty much wants to be a good one wants to be with its stock and needs to stay with its stock and even if we got it out there um and gave it a try uh you know they're pretty independent minded dogs they're not the kind of dogs that you give a long list of commands to and expect them to respond um you know with military accuracy too so um, that's a real challenge but when it comes to being just a general farm property protector, I actually think that the livestock guardian dog breeds could be really good at that, especially if you're working with an individual from a breed or uh, a prototype of a breed that works really close, doesn't want to wander um, or walk perimeters very much, is, is content to kind of stay in a small area close to the farmstead and just kind of protect it from intruders, from suspicious things, you know, um, catch that raccoon that's headed toward the chicken coop, sleep on the porch, make sure that uh, nobody suspicious gets too close to the people in the house, all that sort of thing. And in fact, I suspect that a lot of livestock guardian dogs are living out their lives in that role. They may have been purchased to protect the poultry. They may have been purchased with the hopes of putting them out there on pasture with the sheep or goats, but inevitably they end up being porch dogs. And I think they fill a really good role in that way. Uh, so I'm not gonna rule that out. So we at least have you know, that extra task that a livestock guardian dog can do 
except that if it's on the porch, it's not really out with the livestock. You know, maybe it's close to the poultry that's just out back. Um, maybe it can catch that coyote or that fat fox trying to cruise the barnyard, um, but it's not really where it's supposed to be if we have a herd of ruminants out there that need protection. Um, I do have a crazy idea when it comes to livestock guardian dogs, though. Generally, I think they're too independently minded to learn and take commands well. Uh, but I have this thought that comes from watching our livestock guardian dogs interact with the livestock out on the pasture. Um, many of us have probably heard stories of guardian dogs moving the herd to high ground at nighttime or to a place that's easier to defend. And when I show up at the pasture to check on things, my livestock guardian dogs come running over to greet me and they kind of create this wake right through the herd. You can just see the herd separating as the <laughs> dog goes running through it to get to me. And so it is clear that a livestock guardian dog can move its stock. And so I have wondered before, if we could just develop a breed or a type of livestock guardian dog that does all the other things it's supposed to do in bonding to those livestock animals um, and protecting them and being the right having the right level of aggression toward predators and all that sort of stuff, but we could also get it to cooperate with us a little bit. Could we use a livestock guardian dog to actually move animals the way we want them to be moved? the animals generally respect the movements of that livestock guardian dog out on pasture. So I wonder, um, and I'm having trouble getting this idea out of my head, that maybe if you had a really cooperative dog that actually could be taught to take some commands, if maybe you could do some basic handling and movement and herding, for lack of a better term, of the sheep and goats, cattle, what have you, from place to place. Maybe that dog is just really good in a um, kind of a rotational grazing situation where all you're really doing is moving animals from one grazing paddock to the next grazing paddock. In fact, my dogs get that done. And we've heard from Greg Christensen, for example, on other episodes, uh, who says that the guardian dogs are often the very first ones through the fence or through a gate and all the other animals immediately feel comfortable following the LGD onto the next grazing area. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. If you've got any feedback for me on that, go to farmdogpodcast.com and leave me that message on that voice recorder because maybe I'm just crazy, but it's something that I would love to hear if anybody has ever explored. Hi, um, my name is Morgan and I'm from Vermont. I have two English Shepherds, and I have a herd of dairy goats. We have a just a small dairy and creamery. We run about 80 milkers typically, and we have 12 to 20 yearlings and kids every year that we keep. Um, I would be totally fine with any breed, any mix of breeds. As far as breed goes, I don't really care, but um, we we chose the English Shepherd because um, it was uh, advertised as a all-around farm dog, and that's really what it's turned out to be for us. 
Uh, we have a seven-year-old and an almost two-year-old. The seven-year-old, we got at the same time, we got the goats pretty much. So we've never really had a life without a working dog. And I didn't grow up with working dogs, so I didn't have any expectations. I, I knew I wanted a herding dog. I, I thought maybe he'd be a bit of a livestock guardian. And, uh, yeah, he ended up being much more than those things. Uh... I really like having two because now having two, I, I can see the, uh, there's, that there's two sides to sort of every, every trait. You know, you got the plus and the <laughs> minus. Uh, our older dog, he's a really, he's a really steady, steady, gentle dog that you can trust to really do anything. But, um, but if the girls are being really stubborn, he, he really hates or he, he shies away from from really uh, putting too much pressure on them. The younger dog does not. And he's the kind of dog that you'd send out at night, maybe to fetch. I do this actually all the time. Send him out at night to fetch the girls for milking, and he doesn't freak them out. You know, he, he takes it slow and steady, and the younger dog, I think, would give them all a heart attack. So, so I don't use her in the dark. But, um... Yeah, uh, she's a dog that works really good far away. Um, the older one, sometimes he'll he'll head out and uh, to do a big fetch, and um, he might second guess himself a little bit. He's super connected to me, and he really wants uh, to work as a team. and And she uh, likes to work as a team, certainly, but she also just likes to to move goats. Um, so she'll. She can do these really big fetches, and um, you're guaranteed to get everybody to you because, uh, I don't know, it's just, like, pathological for her. She's just, she wants everyone to get to your feet at top speed, so we're working on slowing her down. <laughs> but she's been a blast, and having having dogs that, that specialize in different things a little bit as far as herding goes has been really useful. Um the thing we've really enjoyed about about these dogs is that they they're very attuned to the the livestock. Um, they're very concerned about their well being. Um, somebody is stuck or crying, they're very upset about that, and they they come and get us and and point it out. Um, anytime somebody's sick, uh, and if they go and and get the girls, like if somebody's acting strange. They will skip or or just be really uh, easy on the the doe that is in question, and they pointed out a few times I have caught something wrong with a kid or a mom because of the way the dogs were treating them. They, the dogs were, were being really gentle or just really like they really wanted to smell that that animal for some reason. They were kind of creeping up and, and trying to get get in there and sniff them. And it's always been like, oh, look, you have a wound, or or you're not feeling good, or maybe you, and maybe they even have a high worm load, and they're they're just they're not thriving, you know. And the dogs have have pointed that out for us. So you know, if we didn't have the dogs, uh, I don't know what we would do. Um, our neighbors have a vineyard, and my worst fear is that the, <laughs> the goats figure that out. You know, they're, they, the dogs have just really surprised us. We, we didn't expect them to wake us up in the middle of the night to let us know that goats were out or, or that 
you know, there were, was a fox chasing chickens around and you open the door and they just, they take care of stuff, you know, they, they keep an eye on everything. They keep an ear on everything. Um, they kill mice and groundhogs and they just, they become a part of the fabric of the farm. You know, they, they enjoy the kids and they enjoy baby chicks and chickens and the horse and, they enjoy the pigs. They just, they appreciate things in a similar way we do. And I don't know if it's because it's a learned behavior, you know, they see us and they sort of mimic some things, which definitely seems to be the case. Or if they're just, I don't know, they appreciate the farm like we appreciate the farm. And, and I think a big, a big part of, of having them and, and never having had them before is, we had no expectations and then they've really just, they just did more than we imagined. And I think that's because, um, we didn't know what they could do. So we just gave them space to, uh, to tell us. And it's, it's been the best thing we've ever done. It's one of my favorite parts of, of farming, honestly. Thank you, Morgan, for that comment about English shepherds. I gotta say, I absolutely love the idea of the English Shepherd. I mean, everything that Morgan described there is leaning and pointing toward what this episode has been all about, which is what makes the best all-purpose farm dog? Is there a breed out there already, or would we have to start over with some crosses to establish a, uh, a dog that actually could be presented as and marketed as the all-purpose farm dog breed. And when I hear someone like Morgan talk about the English Shepherd and praise it all over, I think, yep, I think that could be the solution. And then my alarm bells start going off and I think, how could it be that good? Nothing is that good. <laughs> this dog has to be too good to be true. Um, and I have no personal experience with English Shepherds. So just let me get that out of the way right away. Like this is not based on any experience, uh, but maybe some of you out there in the audience can are seeing it the same way as me. Just like, how could it be that good? Um, but I've talked to several English Shepherd owners who have that to say about their dogs. They hit on several things that Morgan did, and this makes it a really valuable multi-purpose dog. It's not a livestock guardian dog in that traditional sense in which the, the dog can be expected to not only herd the animals, but also be bonded to the animals and stay and live with the animals because those two instincts fight each other. Um, the herding and the gathering and the controlling of the animals come out of a predatory instinct, whereas the guardianship of those animals comes from a bonding with them, uh, bonding with the livestock. So those two things are at odds with each other. And so it's generally a dangerous mix to attempt to get that from a dog. So I think what Morgan is describing is not so much uh, that true livestock guardian type of trait, but more like a dog that is just sensitive enough to what's going on around it that it can recognize problems and bring your attention to them. That it treats sickly animals different as, as it is herding and gathering them than a healthy animal. Um, that it slows down, it exhibits more care and caution 
And that in itself is a sort of livestock protection that I think is super, super valuable and that you probably won't get in some of the more hard driving specialist uh, stock dogs. I'm sure somebody out there is going to say, hey, my border collie goes hard all day. It's, she's a hard charger, and yet she will slow down and shift into a lower gear for animals that aren't doing well too. I'm sure that happens, but it's almost like Morgan is describing something, oh, <laughs> something ESP-like in their ability to sense uh, what an, animal's, an individual animal's needs are. I think that there's also value in the idea of the English Shepherd as a property protector, just in the sense that it can alert to anything that's out of the ordinary uh, and go check it out. One thing that we haven't talked about yet is that if we're talking in the context of a small farm, we might have all of our livestock not very far from the house and completely surrounded in good permanent fence. That's not always the case out on large pastures, but on a farmstead type of environment or a homestead type of environment, we might have fencing that can actually separate our, all of our livestock from a dog. And if that's the case, a dog that is running circles around the farmstead, kind of doing a patrol, it could be almost any kind of breed. Um, it doesn't have to be truly bonded to the animals and acting out of an instinct to protect those animals. It could just be searching for pests and predators all around the perimeter out of its own desire to keep itself busy um, or out of a predatory desire anyway. And so that's where a dog like Morgan described the English Shepherd to be could be super, super valuable and start to really kind of fill out that role of the multi-purpose farm dog. Again, though, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, English Shepherd people. I have trouble believing it. I, I have trouble believing they could be that good. Um, and I wonder about consistency. I have talked to one or two English Shepherd owners who were like, you know, this dog just didn't have any instinct to herd. This dog just never turned on to stock or this dog loves stock but won't shut off. Um, so it's kind of the same problems we have with the stock dog specialists, the herding dog specialists, that um, there's always going to be some that just don't pan out. And I suspect that there's more that don't pan out in the English Shepherd world. So send all of your hate mail to... <laughs> Uh, farmdogpodcast.com leave a message in that voice recorder and tell me your experiences with the English Shepherd I would love to be convinced that the English Shepherd is the way to go um, because honestly my herding needs aren't that great I have a what is starting to become a large herd of sheep and goats um, I do need to get them trailered sometimes I do need to run them through a handling system sometimes but generally we're doing rotational grazing where they're just moving to the very next paddock where there's a bunch of fresh food. So it's not really hard to move them. So I think maybe a dialed back herding dog that also fills several other niches could be just the thing for me. So I would love to be convinced that the English Shepherd is the way to go. So let me know everything that you know about the English Shepherd. I'd love to hear your experiences. 
So we've covered a lot of you know what we think of as the herding, the typical farm dogs, the working dogs, the herding dogs, the livestock guardian dog breeds. Um, you know, we could touch on some other things like the Australian Shepherd and the Australian Cattle Dog and the healers of various types. You know, and those all we hope at least have some remaining instinct to um, gather and control the direction of livestock. And in the very least, you know, those dogs have a reputation for being tough dogs that, you know, are protective also. So they might feel fill that role of a herding dog that can also shut it down and not always be so intense and still protect our properties. I think, and, and the people who live on those properties, I think consistency keeps popping up as an issue though. My perception is that finding consistency in those breeds of dogs is a challenge. And if, again, I've mentioned this before, I'm a marketing guy. So I always think in terms of, could I develop a product that's in demand and market it to people? And I would love to someday develop some composite breed of special, like all purpose farm dog intended to market to small farm owners. Uh, I'm never going to have enough time to do that. Uh, so if anyone out there would like to take the lead on that, let's talk because it's not going to be me. But um, I, I think that when, we, when we're talking about developing a product and marketing it to someone uh, and giving it this label of the all-purpose farm dog, we have to be able to produce that consistently. And all of us right now are thinking of a dog that was the perfect farm dog growing up um, on the farm or this farm I visited. That was that dog could do this, it could do that. It was the perfect farm dog. But can we produce that consistently? And how would you even begin to do that? That's the real challenge. So just moving on then, um, I've got a couple of oddballs that I'm gonna throw your way. Um, and let's start right here with a couple of dogs like the Corgi and the Lancashire Healer. Um, they are old, old herding dogs that have mostly become pets and show dogs. And so you wonder if any of that herding instinct is still there in those dogs. But if it were, if you could find some examples with some really great herding instinct in it and in them still, I think that these dogs would also just make great farm companions. Um, they uh, probably have plenty of bark and suspicion of strangers to kind of be uh, alarm systems, at least, if not actual protectors of people in a physical sense and uh, uh, protectors of property in a physical sense. And I would not be surprised if you could get corgis and uh, Lancashire healers and um, some of the smaller herding dog types to also be really great rodent dogs, really good pest control dogs on your farms, and even perhaps small game hunters, which again, I think is an important part of the lifestyle of rural living for a lot of people. Um, so let's get even weirder now. Um, I am kind of fascinated by the Spitz type dogs. So you might think of the Icelandic Sheepdog, Finnish or Swedish Laphund, Norwegian uh, Buhund. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. All right, I just referred back to uh, the 
Farm Dogs book written by, I have it right here in my hands, written by Janet Vorwald Donor. You can actually listen to an interview with Janet right here on this podcast. Uh, it's one of our early episodes, probably our first in our first five episodes. Um, that book is just an encyclopedia of farm dog breeds. And that book is really a really cool compendium of those breeds. Um, but many of those breeds have lost a lot of that instinct along the way. So even though their history is in serving as a working dog, for the most part, they're not working dogs anymore. I think there are some exceptions, though, with these Spitz-type dogs. And in fact, uh, I've mentioned before on the podcast that I have really enjoyed a book called uh, The Dogs That Made Australia by Guy Hull. And Mr. Hull makes some interesting uh, observations and pointing out that the uh, herding dogs of Australia kind of have a missing link. There's probably clearly some border collie or scotch collie uh, in the foundation for those dogs. But there, there's some other breed involved that is not quite is not so well documented and he proposes that that breed may have in fact been a spitz type herding dog um, from uh, this the one of the scandinavian countries it's a really interesting proposition and uh, he makes a really good case for it we also know that some of those dogs, like the Icelandic sheepdog and other related dogs that probably don't even have a breed name, are still being used to herd reindeer and other livestock in some parts of the world. And those dogs are typically also used as hunting dogs, very versatile hunting dogs to hunt all sorts of game. So I would be really interested to to pursue the idea that those dogs could have a role in the development of our uh, completely imaginary, ideal multi-purpose farm dog. So let's go a little bit further down that line with pulling breeds out of nowhere. And I have a lot of curiosity about uh, the continental European breeds, kind of like the German Shepherd dog. Now. Most of us have probably never seen a German Shepherd actually work livestock. It has been a long, long time since most German Shepherds have been expected to do any work, and that has mostly been brought, bred out of them as German Shepherds have become show dogs, companions, uh, and working dogs in other realms like police and military dogs, drug dogs, that sort of thing. But one of the cool things about the German Shepherd and... Um, related dogs like the Beauceron, the Belgian Shepherd, or the Belgian Malinois, and, and there's several dogs in that little family as well, is that they were actually intended to be herding dogs, but they had a particular style of herding, and that is sometimes called the living fence style of herding, that they would work with shepherds who spent all their time with the sheep uh, and moved those sheep from place to place throughout the day uh, to maximize the grazing available to those sheep 
And when the shepherd got the sheep where he wanted to stay for a little while, uh, these dogs would be used to constantly run a perimeter around that area and keep the sheep right in that particular place with no other fences. Now, I find this a fascinating trait, and I would love to get somebody on the show who could actually talk about their experience with actual working dogs of this style. I think that's going to be really hard to do because I'm, I'm pretty sure most of that instinct has disappeared from these breeds. But I would just love to explore that further because I think that has some really neat applications for this ideal farm dog, multi-purpose farm dog that we're discussing, especially for small homesteads. We already talked about what if all your livestock was inside of good permanent fences that could separate the dog from the livestock um, but still allow the livestock to run a perimeter and look for threats. Again, not so much because the dog really cares about the well-being of the livestock, but because the dog's actually acting out of more of a predatory instinct or a chase instinct um, or perhaps a patrolling instinct uh, that really has nothing to do with the health of those animals really only has to do with satisfying its own desires. Um, that is a, a foreseeable situation on some of our small farms where we could have a, a dog actually protecting the livestock without truly being bonded to it simply by virtue of working a perimeter around the homestead. Um, and these dogs, if we can find any with some uh, working ability left, I think could offer a real opportunity to small farms in terms of being a, that multi-purpose farm dog. We have uh, the ability to protect the livestock, as I've just described. We have the ability to herd and move the livestock. You know, they're not going to probably be a big gathering dog like a Border Collie is, but could they work um, livestock through a yard, through a handling system? from paddock to paddock, maybe from this pasture on this side of the road to the pasture on the other side of the road. Sure they could if some of that instinct still exists. Um, you know, could they hunt? I, you know, any dog that is interested in game and has some predatory, predatory instinct um, can be adapted to small game hunting in particular. And what about uh, property protection? Now, we don't need a dog to be super aggressive, but a dog with a nice bark and a dog that looks the part, like it could be aggressive, can do a lot of good for the security of our rural properties. Um, and we have all been exposed to German Shepherds and these related dogs as police and military dogs. Uh, so I think that any troublemakers would take the presence of one of these types of dogs on a farm seriously. So we're starting to cover a lot of edges and corners of that piece of toast with some of these continental breeds if, and it's a giant if, some of that instinct still remains. And I'm not sure it does. But if I were to sit down and start pulling breeds from here and there and thinking about maybe doing some crosses to start to develop that all-purpose farm dog, I would certainly want to look hard. Uh, and you might have to dig deep into certain corners of Europe to find uh, dogs 
uh, of this type that still have some of that instinct, but I'd certainly consider them as part of my formula. So those are my thoughts on this crazy idea that will probably never be executed of developing a composite breed uh, for the role of being an all-purpose farm dog. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, give me a holler. And again, farmdogpodcast.com. There you'll be able to email me or even better, leave me a voicemail. And you'll probably be uh, part of a future farm dog episode if you do. I would really appreciate it. And, and a final note here. I know that when you start talking about crossing breeds, uh, that some people start to get uptight. And I've always found it really interesting. You know, we only got the breeds we have because of crosses of other breeds in the past. So there's this weird dynamic in the purebred dog world where we despise crosses until they've been around long enough and been um, recreated several times over so that all of a sudden we recognize it as a breed and now we don't want to cross that breed anymore. Uh, the Hanging Tree Cow Dog is a perfect example. We have taken a, put together a composite of several other breeds and now we are starting to get uh, some consistency out of this new composite breed that makes a lot of people happy and serves a lot of people's purposes. So I have mixed feelings about crosses. Just because I've talked about crossing breeds a lot here on this episode doesn't mean I'm about to go out and grab animals from everywhere and start making uh, all sorts of mixes. But we have the animals we have, we have the dogs we have available to us in this really great variety of working dogs uh, for achieving agricultural purposes because of crossbreeding. So I don't think that it needs to be as off limits as we sometimes want to make it to be. Um, And so I just hope that you'll give me some grace on that. And that in itself could be a really good discussion in the future. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say and talking about this more as we go forward with with future episodes of Farm Dog. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Farm Dog. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please subscribe, leave us a positive review, and tell someone about it. Thanks.